Hello, and welcome to the Factory Founder Podcast. My name is Paula Nagy, a Venture Success Manager at Founders Factory Africa. On today's episode, I'm so excited to welcome the founder and CEO of Flary, Sam Badu and Flary COO, Sidi Sakor. Welcome, Sidi and Sam. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much for having us, Paula. Where are you guys joining us from today? We're in Stockholm. Stockholm? <laughs> what are you guys yeah, doing yeah. there? <laughs> Far away from home, but we're currently in Stockholm, Sweden, working with uh, the Nokwin Foundation. So okay. um, we're, we're part of the Nokwin 2023 Accelerator, Impact Accelerator program. So that's, that's why we're here. We've been here since July. Oh, great. And Sam, I know you're usually based in the U.S. Yes, that's correct. And Sidi, are, are you also in the U.S. usually? Uh, no, I'm usually based in the U.K. Okay, great. Yeah. Another Londoner. Yes, yes. Please, please tell Sam that we're better. <laughs> I will pass on the message. You guys will have to have drinks at some stage. <laughs> yeah, I will say nothing at it. <laughs> great, guys. So I wanted to get straight into it so we don't waste any time. So maybe in a nutshell, for our listeners who don't know, what is Flary's mission and and what does the business do? You know, maybe before we get to the mission, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, the background to it a, a little bit. So Flary's vision, first and foremost, focuses on, you know, global migrants or immigrants. The vision is to create a world that allows immigrants to be able to thrive and flourish, not just survive in their countries of adoption. You know, and we've made it our mission to build financial products that enable them to care for themselves and the people that they love, regardless of where they are. Of course, today, that started with how they care for them in terms of access to health care. And that's what we're primarily focused on at this point. So what problem is it specifically solving? So it's it's healthcare. I guess what problem do do migrants living in other countries currently have with being able to to care for loved ones back home? So for migrants living in the diaspora, living abroad from you know, away from the countries where they were born or grew up one of the biggest challenges that they face is maintaining support and care for their loved ones that they left behind. That could mean sending money for school fees. It could mean putting a roof over people's head. It could mean taking care of funerals. But very often it means, you know, handling health emergencies and enabling access to quality care. And so for these immigrants with dependent relatives who need access to quality, consistent care, Flurry helps them solve this by partnering with healthcare providers across emerging countries, enabling immigrants in the diaspora to understand, find, and then pay for the right care that their loved ones need back home. Okay, so essentially... I mean, is it a, it's a marketplace offering, right, where customers can find the right providers to provide that care to their loved ones back home? Is that correct? And, and are there any other kind of product offerings available at the moment? Yeah, that, that in a nutshell, it's correct. It's a membership-based you know, platform that 
gives them access not just to a marketplace to find these providers, but also understanding the demographic and the people that we're taking care of. It's also a very human-centered approach to doing this, right? So every single immigrant member that joins Flary is having access to a dedicated human family care manager that is based in the country where their loved ones is. They get the chance to help them find, understand the need, and then gain that access to the quality care we're talking about. So as much as we're a technology company, we're also a very human-focused technology company. Yeah, and I think I've, I've always been a big fan of your Sam and of Flaherty's. And I think a big part of it is exactly that, that real human-centered approach to how you approach building building your business and, and the customers and beneficiaries you serve. I guess for you as a, a founder, where did the, the inspiration for Flaherty come from? What motivated you to, to start this business? So like most people, you know, the inspiration for the things that we spend a significant part of our lives um, doing is personal. You know, um, I had moved to the U.S. maybe 10 years ago. You know, had struggled initially to to get used to the country, but also to find my footing. Ended up, you know, joining the military, becoming a software developer, and it really felt like things were going great. But then my grandmother, whom I had grown up with, had all of a sudden gotten sick. You know, and then it became sending money back home, ensuring that she was getting appointments. But all of that really didn't happen the way I thought it would. She ended up getting the wrong kind of care, led to her passing away. And then it became very obvious to me that, you know, just because you're able to send money back home doesn't actually solve a problem back home. Mm. The outcomes had become a lot more important. You know, this is what really led to talking to other people, discovering how big of a problem this was, and then finally deciding, you know, this is worth solving, not just for myself, but also the 48 million immigrants who are working in America and even the hundreds of millions of other immigrants around the world dealing with the same issue. But the name itself, Flary, comes from the Haitian Creole word, Flary, which is to flourish, right? Mm. And it kind of embodies, you know, to a large extent, what our ultimate goal is. When you look at immigrants today, you know, you find things like, oh, immigrants, we get the job done, right? They shut up, they work, they get the results. But the reality is, do we ever associate, you know, immigrants with peace of mind, self-care, success and enjoyment of life, vacations, right? For all these people who've done dangerous journeys sometimes, gotten on boats, right, left everything that they're familiar with to a new country, built out a life just so they and everyone else who kind of looks up and depends on them can be better off, you know, how are we optimizing for their own better life, right? And and that's really where the inspiration, you know, the origin of the name and everything else that we do is really around this better future for immigrants. I really love that. And the fact that, you know, touching on the African diaspora and just shedding 
shedding light as well because a lot of these workers are the backbones of of many industries in countries like the US, for example, and really, you know, formulating a product that serves this very powerful and I think often underrepresented and reflected market is massive. I think even just in the kind of cross-border payments and remittance space, we've seen how big these kind of businesses and platforms are, like with TransferWise and Remitly experiencing acquisitions and, and IPOs in the in the billions of dollars, you know, certainly focusing on the African diaspora and, and the people back home is, you know, super, super, super valuable and, and, and powerful market. So maybe just on that, you know, can you elaborate a bit more on, on the power of the market and the opportunity it represents? Definitely. One of the things that, you know, is important to establish is as Africans, while we started off, you know, of course, from a place where we know Flary's work today is is really geared around ensuring that all immigrants eventually are able to benefit from the same access to support and care for their families back home. But definitely with that focus, you know, understanding where we came from. But when you talk about the market, right, and without disparaging any any other brand, it's a huge existing market opportunity, right? Since the advent of Western Union about 70 years plus ago, you think about the volume of remittances that have been sent. But that really points at also the challenge, right? For the last several decades, we only tend to focus on remittances as volumes of cash that Mm. get transferred across borders. What we don't focus on is the fact that every single dollar that gets sent represents a sacrifice that someone is having to make. Mm-hmm. It represents a vacation that doesn't get taken, a down payment on a house that doesn't get done, life insurance that doesn't get paid, school fees for private schools that don't ever get done, right? It represents the real deterioration of the quality of life of the immigrants who are sending these billions of dollars home. It also points at a, a question around alignment. It's the goal, really, to get immigrants to send more and more of what they earn across borders without ever asking the question, you know, but what for and why? Why doesn't the problems for which they send this money reduce over time so that they have to send less money, Mm -hmm. right? And that's the foundational question that Flurry starts with. If people care about their loved ones back home, And we know very finely, right, there's only about six or seven reasons why people are sending money back home. Then could we not look at what they're sending it for and organize it better or directly influence the outcomes, creating transparency, creating accountability, but most importantly, creating better outcomes so it reduces the burdens on the immigrants who have to sacrifice to do this. And so when we look at the market, we really look at the market beyond just the money and all of these other reasons why people are IPOing and doing that. We get that. But eventually, what are we left with? 
we're left with a more poor diaspora, which has so many other adverse effects. We're left left with a more stressed diaspora. But even worse off, we're left with beneficiaries who never really have access to quality, long-lasting, consistent outcomes for the from the reasons that the money was sent. And I think it's a a really good a really good point. And I think on that, you know, it's it's one thing just sending cash, but maybe from your perspective some of these learnings and and insights, you know, that you've discovered and and kind of lived over the last couple of years, how has that helped kind of inform inform the product? and making sure that those outcomes are reached, improving that, you know, that money gets used effectively in the right ways. I'll start with looking at, you know, first and foremost, the overall ecosystem that we're creating. So Flurry is an impact company. We don't shy away from it. It's a very important part of our DNA, which means that when we think of, you know, our product, It's what does the product unlock when it comes to that impact. So we'll start with the migrants. The very first is addressing the elephant in the room. Being a migrant, living in the diaspora, means you have limited information about everything that's going on in the place where your loved ones live. So our very first thing is to solve that information asymmetry problem by focusing on getting to know the markets in which we operate as well as possible and partnering with the right, but also the most performant partners in those markets. Number two, when we look at the providers with whom we work and how they think of our product, they have real needs. Those hospitals, those insurance companies, those healthcare providers, today, They're all treating people, some of whom have dependents who are funding their treatments, but also they're also treating a huge number of people for free because they can't afford it. Our goal is to help them access a new market that increases their revenue, increases the efficiency of their operations, but also increases the opportunity to grow and get better. Right. And then finally, we think about the beneficiaries who benefit from the product itself, right? Better access to more consistent, better quality care, supported by a group of people who understand what it takes to be able to drive access to better care in emerging countries. These learnings that we've talked about is all what informs how we think about the product, the way we deliver the product, and even understanding the nuances. This is part of the reason why we never started off building an application for beneficiaries. Because if you think about your 70-year-old mother who lives in a village in Ghana or Nigeria or, or Lusaka, right, an app doesn't benefit this person. They want trust. They want a real human. They want someone who understands their local language and is able to deliver access to care in a way that they care and appreciate. I mean, on that, in terms of, you know, getting that message to your customers and people living in the diaspora that do want to support their loved ones back home, I guess, how are you... How are you approaching acquiring these these customers? Have there been any challenges along that journey? And I'll open this up, City. I don't know if you want to want to chime in as well, or or Sam, you can you can go for this question. I'm happy to to jump in. I think 
when we look at the journey that we've come through, acquiring the, the users, the diaspora community, primarily when we started, it was about solidifying that what we have and our hypothesis was actually right. They are in ensuring that the diaspora sees Flurry as an option. So we went directly to them. So we, we target them through community outreach program. We go to their event. Well, Sam does a lot of those things, going to the event, going to different places, just trying to get them on board Flurry. And we were very successful in doing that, right? But the only problem with that, it, it was very costly um, to acquire them, but it was also very time-consuming. So... That was the B2C model that we had when we started off. And now we thought about, let's find a more creative and more innovative way to doing it that actually improves for speed, but also reduce our cost of acquisition very quickly. And so now we are rolling out our B2B2C model, which will present and have the opportunity to get employers to onboard Flurry as the very first family care benefit that focuses on on migrant, and then in that way, provide value for the employers because it makes them a lot more attractive. It makes the employees that they they have with them much more productive because they have the peace of mind that Flurry provides because we're taking care of their family back home. But for us at Flurry, it allows us to be able to onboard their employees in mass, right, with a very mm-hmm. little cost compared to when we go directly to them. And so one of the challenges that we currently have is just proving to the employers the sales well the sales cycle making sure the sales cycles are a little bit you know smaller because at the moment it seems a little bit longer and that is a given because now we're pushing to the b2b side it means it's just going to take a little bit more time but once we are able to crack it especially with the employers we are able to be in a very good position especially when we compare the cost and the mass of acquisition in the two channels yeah and i was gonna say i mean how is that i can Imagine always with businesses, the the sales cycle is a bit longer, but I imagine this is maybe the first time that employers have come across a solution like Flary and are considering it as an employee benefit. Has it been a kind of new thought to them? Is it a new product? Has it been quite a tough sell to to kind of explain what it is you guys do and, and the value of why they should be offering it? You know, the interesting thing is it's actually have not been um, a tough I wouldn't say, so they get it. Immediately we, we talked about Flurry to them, they automatically get it, right? Mm. So it's more about the more technical bits. So they're looking at references, how many other people that have used it, how many other employers have used this before. So more or less trying to situate how they also go about onboarding Flurry rather than whether it's actually providing value for them. We've never actually have that problem of the value speaking for itself. It's It's been an easy sell, right, when it comes to the value. It's more about the operational side and how, from their own perspective, what are some of the learnings that they will be able to reference from the work that we've done with other companies. So, Sidi, I'm, I'm interested in your journey and and kind of when you joined Flary and, and what it was that, that resonated you uh, with the business and, and solution. It's very interesting. So I think f- for me, I, I'm a migrant myself. So I'm originally from Sierra Leone, currently a base out in the UK. And my mom, the lady that actually raised me up, I call her my mom, you know, for Africans. Mm-hmm. We, 
at the, you know. So I think for me, it resonated because I found myself in a position where I get to send money to her every other time. And like most migrants, I send this money usually with a concerns or around whether she's getting the right care she needs. She suffers from diabetes and it's usually like a hassle to manage that. And when I got in touch with, you know, with a vision and a mission Flurry has, it's resonated with me very deeply because I see Flurry as something that I primarily can use to service the health needs of my mom living in in Sierra Leone, right? And so for me, that in itself was the singular most powerful connection that I have with Flurry and was very emotionally driven. And I thought to myself, if you estimate just how many people, like unfortunately like Sam's grandma that had to die because they don't have the right access to care, but also even when you send the money home, they don't get the speed of care, it's not guaranteed, then it gives you the clear picture of why flurry is needed and why the need for flurry is equally urgent. And that's, you know, I was just completely bought into into that because it's very personal for me. Yeah, and I think that is what's what's so inspiring is that you guys are actually working to solve a problem that you've both intimately had, especially when it relates to love for ones. Maybe then, Sidi, I know that you're you know, COO and on the operations side of things, maybe, you know, what is what is the cha- the biggest challenge that you're, you're facing right now? I think we're at the stage now where we're moving, like I mentioned earlier on. So we're shifting our focus into the B2B2C model. So our B2C model is still operational. It's still, you know, more or less on autopilot, I would say. But we're pushing a lot of our effort to the B2B2C model because that's where we see scale. So from an operational perspective, is how we build the right processes to help us and enable us to get to that scale that we need. And that's where we are at the moment. So it's not more of a challenge. I think it's an exciting opportunity to be able to work with the team and situate us in the position wherein we're able to accommodate that structure and the right processes in place to enable us to manage that skill once we break into the B2B2C. And obviously you guys work as part of a wider team and, and you've you've got a team that's that's been growing over time. So yeah. where does the majority of your, your team sit? And when hiring for critical positions, what is what is most important to you? Is it is it people that share the same values as you? Is it technical skills? Like what is that secret sauce you look for? I think generally, just a quick response into where most of our team currently sits. Most of our team are currently sit between the engineering and product team. But I think in terms of hiring decision, First and foremost, of course, we all need the expertise. Of course, we all need um, someone who is able to deliver. But most importantly, I think one of the things that we look for that is very crucial for us at this stage is how deeply connected the individual that we're hiring and how to the vision that we're building. Because we believe that Flurry is not a business, it's a mission. And the mission is very clear. The mission is about saving lives, but also improving livelihood. And anyone that is coming on board, 
that we're considering to come on board have to be able to at least check that box because every other thing else in terms of expertise and skill set is something that I believe and Sam also believe that can genuinely be nurtured into, you know, into proficiency. I think to switch over a little bit to to fundraising, I know it's been a really you know, difficult period for startups in a difficult market in terms of raising capital. I believe Flary has has raised capital in the last 18 months. So maybe a question, Sam, for you, you know, what were some of the key takeaways from raising in this market and what advice would you have for founders, you know, who are looking to raise at the moment? So I want to start off by saying, you know, it's not easy for any founder who's raising mm-hmm. at this point in time. And and that's really, really important to be able to situate anybody that manages to get, you know, investment in this market is doing a tough job to to get to that, right? So that said, I don't have a magic pill or some, you know, amazing, you know, solution that, that answers everything. I will say what has worked is connecting with investors that actually believe in the long-term value. There's a lot of trendy, you know, areas that, you know, today exist, and there are lots of people who are pouring money in those areas. It's a lot harder to focus on long-term impact. And, you know, if you're an African founder or you're an Africa or emerging markets focused founder, then you will know that most of the problems that are going to be solved are not going to be solved in 18, 20, 24, or even within the next five years. And that's evident, right, in the kind of businesses that we're seeing and the results that we're seeing. It means that optimizing for long-term value, better relationships, true buy-in from investors is critical. It means you might not be able to close around quickly, but you would also get better investors, more committed investors to allocate capital to what you're building. That's what we've seen in the last 18 months as we talk to investors, and it's a big part of how we're we're optimizing for our fundraising journey going forward. Yeah, I think what you said about, you know, relationship building and continuing to nurture those relationships and, and find those investors that, that share your same vision and that can add value in the ways that you need and can support you on, on the longer longer term journey. I guess to that end, as you mentioned, it's not a it's not a short path, but you know, what is your, your future vision for, for Flary? Where would you like to see the business in the next year? And five years. Well, I could tell you what I'd like to see in the next six months. You know, so we we have some pretty critical goals that we need to hit. I think City touched on a couple of them. Our transition to B two B, B two B to C, is a really big part of the strategy going forward allowing us to solve for a homogeneous group in a way that is smart, but also captures opportunity in a significant way. That's our near-term value. Be able to prove value to the employers, the organizations that we're working with who depend on the best migrant talent in order to grow. Over the next year, our goal is to move out of just providing coverage across Africa to providing coverage in a a greater portion 
of the global emerging market space, right? So this includes places like the Philippines, most of Southeast Asia, and then eventually Latin America. Being able to do this from a position of strength is super important to us. And so in the next year, that becomes a real main focus on that side. Uh, Going forward, it's really focusing on what provides and drives value for migrants within their new countries, across their families, and in a way that enables them to live a more deserving life. And just to to clarify, I mean, on the markets front, at the moment, are you servicing customers in the U.S. or is it other markets as well? So at the moment, we think of markets in terms of corridors and then, you know, primary markets where our our actual members are. Today, we serve immigrants in North America and in the U.K. Those are our main focus markets. But then we have customers who are outside of those markets as and when they're coming in, uh, not critical for us. But we happen to have a solution that is geographically agnostic, and we take advantage of that as much as we can. Great. Well, I'm certainly rooting for you guys. I really back the vision. I back you guys as a team, and I'm really excited to see where Flary goes over the next couple of months and years. So, yeah, I'm I'm watching this space. As we begin to wrap up, is there anything I should have asked you guys, is there anything more that you would like to to voice on this podcast? It would have been interesting to talk about, you know, how investors have kind of helped accelerate the mission and the work that we've done, especially acknowledging the fact that Founders Factory uh, was our very, very mm-hmm. first investor. Always right? remember that. We um, were the first. We believed in idea. you. <laughs> I certainly do not forget that. I, I don't forget, you know, the meetings with Sam, with Rue, the the bigger team. Some of my most loved people work at Founders Factory. Tabiso, lots of people there that I have fond memories of. And I think it's super important to understand that you know, the people that come along the journey, the team, the investors, the early customers who believe even when everything is breaking apart, makes a really, really big difference to both the motivation of the founders as they build, but then the motivation of the team and, you know, collectively how, you know, we think about the problems and challenges we face. I mean, I'm sure there's not just just one thing, but, you know, what are some of the biggest value adds that investors you know, that you would like from investors or that investors have been able to provide you? One thing that I will say has been phenomenal has really been the network, right? We're building a product that really relies on people, relies on access to certain people, but also is driven a lot by introductions, early belief, and people just saying, hey, I know them, Mm -hmm. I trust them, I believe in what they're doing, and and being able to push that. I think we've had a lot of that, and also noting that a lot of our investors are also users, right? That's a significant part. I don't know how it works for other people, but this makes a big difference to us because the feedback that we get is not just driven by financial interest. It's also driven by the fact that, hey, their parents are actually getting services through us. If we're not meeting that lowest bar, right, as people who are already motivated financially by what we're building, then it's going to be harder to solve for the greater 
population that we're going after. So I, I think that has been a, a real sticking mm-hmm. point with yeah, our investors. That's a good point. Okay, great. I think maybe last last question for both of you, just to leave something with our our listeners, and maybe you need a bit of time to think about it. But for for each of you, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? And what advice would you give to to founders and leadership teams who are building startups? I think for for my side in terms of the advice I'll give to founders is to understand that the journey to succeed is, is a long one. Take the small wins as you go. Small wins could be having a wonderful investors like Founders Factory, you know, being here on this podcast, meeting or hiring a really good member of your team, you know, your first customer. All of these small wins keeps the motivation and it also acts as a reaffirmation of why you're doing this and that there are people out there who are willing to support you in your journey. It's very, very important for founders to think about that because often when we as founders obsess too much or too long on the end goal, we tend to miss out on every other thing that happens in between. They do say it's about the journey, not the destination. I think that's such good advice. Yeah, on my end, what I will say is it it really takes a lot of self-belief to start, but also belief from people. So I will say, you know, very early on, the most important advice is believing yourself. It might seem like easy advice, but it really, really can be hard sometimes to justify that. So that's been one of the most important, you know, things that I've learned. And, you know, for everyone else, it's a real joy and a pain at the same time. And so you might as well do it with people that mm-hmm. you love, right? Optimize finding the right people who believe in the direction that you're going in and whom you can genuinely have fun. <laughs> it is not just a professional life. It's it's really about can you be in a really picky, tricky, difficult situation, you know, and lean on the other person. I think very early on, that's really, really important to find. Yeah. Surround surround people that can lift you up, build your resilience and share the same vision and motivation as you. Really good advice, guys. Thank you so, so much. I definitely see this podcast and having the opportunity to chat to you both as a as a win on my side and on my journey. So just last question, if anyone wants to learn more about Flary and, and reach out, where can they go and, and how can they contact you? Yeah, www.joinflary.com. It's get, pretty get easy. Get those to memberships, do that. people. Uh, all <laughs> Sign up for a membership. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And and it's super important to to stress the fact that you know memberships really start at no cost. Our community memberships are a way for you to guarantee that you understand what's going on with your loved ones, and to be in a position to support them when they need it. Of course, premium memberships provide a lot more value and we'll continue to invest in premium memberships. But also, if you work at a place that has an amazing number of immigrants, 
we should be talking to your employer. So, you know, hit me up. I'm Sam at JoinFlurry.com. CD is CD at JoinFlurry.com. Really not that hard, and we'll love to talk to you. Great. Thank you so much, guys. We'll leave it there. Sidi and Sam, I've thoroughly enjoyed speaking to you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Factory Founder podcast. It's been great listening to you and hearing about how Flairy is bridging the gap between the African diaspora and their loved ones back home. Thank you so much. And with that, this is the Factory Building in Africa. Thank you for joining us.